3: You don't know their strength until they get into hot water. We need to talk about the threat of the women's liberation movement. So let me be clear. I am not against women working outside the home. That's their choice. What I am against is a small elitist group putting down homemakers. They want to create a sex-neutral society which will mean that women are gonna find themselves with two full-time jobs. So you need to tell your senators you want them to vote no on this equal rights amendment so we can have a country that we are proud to leave our daughters.
1: These housewives have no idea what it's like to have to work to survive.
4: They're scared. It will damage family life. How much time do we give people to adapt to
0: change?
3: Our women do not want to sacrifice their present privileges for some phony equality with men.
4: I think we should focus. C- could you take notes, us You
2: probably have the best penmanship. Oh, of course. <laughs>
4: Why should women accept this picture of a half-life? They truly believe that men and women
2: are the same. It's not enough for them to have the right to work.
4: We want equal pay for equal
2: work.
3: Now you tell me that's liberation? What's that? Liberation? Liberation's in the home. You are not really a housewife. You are a full-time lobbyist. I have let you run around this country with your cause. I have raised six of your children. children. Can't keep me from going. What? would God this fire in me if he didn't want me to act on it we need to demand
4: true equality we are here to move history forward
1: All right, Sandy Rios with you. That is a trailer that is not the real voice of Phyllis Laffly. It's actually the voice of Kate Blanchett, who plays Phyllis Laffly in a new series that began this week on Hulu. You will want to see it, maybe, but let me just say that you have to watch it with caution, remembering, in my words, that it is pure fiction. It is Hollywood's version Uh, Phyllis Schlafly, and I'm going to make that point to you as we talk about it today. Let me just tell you how they describe the movie. They say Mrs. America, which is the title, tells the true story of the movement to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment and the unexpected backlash led by a conservative woman named Phyllis Schlafly. Um, Through the eyes of the women of that era, both Schlafly and second-wave feminists Gloria Steinem, Betty Friedan, Shirley Chisholm, Bella Abzug, and Jill Ruckelshaus, The series explores how one of the toughest battlegrounds in the culture wars of the 70s helped give rise to the moral majority and forever shifted our political landscape. Okay, that's how they describe their series. How are others writing about it? Well, let's see. Here's a title from Sonia Saraya. She is from Vanity Fair. She says, um, Mrs. America tells the villain's story. And then in another uh, review, it says, don't feel too sad for Schlafly because she really is not a nice person. More than anything, she's an opportunist who saw an opportunist who saw opposition to ratification of the ERA as a way to finally get the political attention she believed she deserved. She was perfectly willing to backstab other women and say things she knew were not true, like ratification will mean women will no longer get alimony in a divorce just to get media attention. That's just a taste of what the critics are saying about Mrs. America. Now, um, let me just say before we start, I knew Phyllis well. She was a mentor to me. Absolutely loved her, and I have a lot to say myself, but I'm no expert, but my next guest is Ann Schlafly, grew up with Phyllis Schlafly. She is her daughter, uh, Ann Schlafly Clory, is the chairman of Eagle Forum, and I've asked her to join us today to talk about this movie that purports to tell the true story about her mother. And thanks for joining me this morning.
4: Thank you so much for having me, uh, Sandy. It's a pleasure to
1: be with you. I'm curious to know how you first heard about this series, Anne. Did they call you and say, hey, we want photos and we want, you know, your ideas? What's your story? How was your mother? How did she respond? Did sh- they do that? No, of course not. If
4: you've got a plan and you want to portray somebody in your own vision the last thing you want to know is the truth from somebody from from somebody who was actually there i i tried to get a hold of the producers i got no no response on it and i and they have subsequently said they didn't want to be distracted by finding out what actually happened or what she was actually like
1: so how did you hear about this
4: well, they've had a lot of publicity on this for the last year and a half. Um, th- this is a big production by Hollywood because Hollywood ha- sees an opportunity to discredit conservatives and and, and 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 discredit women. They're going after women in uh, by this portrayal.
1: Let me just give the cast a little bit. I mentioned Kate Blanchett; she's also the director, and she stars as Phyllis. Uh, Rose Byrne plays Gloria Steinem, that beautiful bombshell playboy bunny uh, feminist. Sarah Paulson plays Alice McRae. Margot Martindale. Now, remember, play-
4: that is a fictional character. They have, oh. they have made up a character and inserted her into the story in order to provide their arc of, of showing someone who was an acolyte and then becomes disillusioned with Phyllis Schlafly. <laughs> and okay.
1: That's Alice McRae? Uh, That's the Alice McRae? Yeah. Okay, see, I yeah. didn't know that. She never existed. <laughs> okay, well, she's a composite character, as uh, Barack Obama would say. Okay, so, but Bella Abzug was a real character. She was the congresswoman from New York, I think, maybe Texas later. But she always wore these huge hats. She was a very large woman, and I remember her raising her hands in worship to the goddess from the uh, UN mm-hmm. Convention on, on uh, Women's Rights. That, I remember. Margot Martindale plays Bella. Uh, and I could go with Tracy Ullman, plays Betty Friedan, who was, uh, we're going to actually listen to the real Betty Friedan in a little bit, and uh, John Slattery plays your father, Fred Schlafly. Does he look like your dad at all? Did they go to great pains to make him like your like your dad, like they did Kate, to look like Phyllis?
4: No, and I think they have done real destruction to this honorable man. They, they, they attacked, uh, Fred Schlafly and portray him as a man that he was not, because in this show they portray my father as a rapist, and
1: I am so upset about this how could that what by on what premise I mean what did they can you say you do know about this part. i have, I have not yet been able to see the production um but they
4: as as what I have seen in the trailers and from when talking to reporters who have seen it is they they wanted to put this message out uh, that Phyllis Schlafly was a victim of her husband. So they make my father into a monster. And my father had the most wonderful marriage with my mother. He was fully supported both uh, emotionally, uh, politically spiritually,
1: financially, he loved everything that she did. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all because uh, she, well, I never met your dad, so I can't say, but I just know how your mother spoke about him, and it was always in glowing terms, uh, how she loved her husband. She mothered four, six of you guys, and I'm going to get into your personal life. I want to do that as much as we can in a second, but um, let's talk a little bit more about the movie. I want to run by you a couple of uh, quotes from one of the uh, one of the reviews, and just get a response to this. Um, all right, here we go. This is from the Vanity Fair piece on it. It says, um, at the series open, Blanchette's Phyllis tries to get men to pay attention to her thoughts on nuclear proliferation and communism, but because she and her peers do not believe in women's empowerment, she's objectified, laughed at, and simply ignored. Let's just stop there.
4: Um, <laughs> well, Sandy, you knew my mother, and you yes. knew that she was never laughed at and she was That's never true. ignored. It was just not possible. She was a force of nature.
1: <laughs> yes, she was. And she, you know, um, I remember in talking with her that she, her really, her heart was not in her in, initial drive was certainly not to talk about women's issues. And I guess I always related to your mother like that because I, I kind of, some would like to have put me in a box about talking about, I was offered a radio show to talk about women's issues. And I said, if you want to talk about menopause and breastfeeding, I'm not your man. I, I can't talk about, I don't want to talk about women's issues. I want to talk about the world. Uh, your mother was um, was that and more. more. I don't want to compare myself to her. I think I'm a, a, a very much a lightweight compared to her. But in that regard, I felt the same way. I don't want to be put in a box. So your mother did write about Uh, nuclear proliferation. She wrote academic pieces. She was brilliant. And you're right. Not a single person ever laughed at Phyllis. I don't ever remember an exception to that Uh, because her thoughts were so profound and she just laid them low with her pen and with her with her ability to communicate. I I would be interested to know, I'm going to go back to this in a second, but Kate Blanchett, you know, she has the voice down uh, as far as I can tell. I don't think so. I think what
4: I've heard in her portrayal
1: of her voice is very sing-songy and mm-hmm. high-pitched. Mm-hmm.
4: I I think I I think her she just I don't believe that Blanchet gets the voice right. I think it sounds like she's um, it, it sounds like a strangled Dolores Schlafly in the way she portrays her voice.
1: Yeah, well, there's no warmth in it. That's for sure. Correct. Kate, I, I mean, just from the bit I've seen because I haven't watched it yet either, but I'm going to. Uh, she. Your mom was, yes, a force of nature, but out of the same uh, powerful presentation because of her sheer brilliance was a sweetness and an honor. You know, she loved God. She talked, uh, I've heard her, I mean, she didn't uh, probably quote scripture as often as I did because it's just I'm from a different background. She was Roman Catholic, took her faith very seriously, but boy, she was all about God and country. And she um, was.
4: And in one of the opening um that segment you played from the um from the fictional show, it shows her in a confessional arguing with God. And that I object to that
1: because it was it's not possible for my mother to to second guess God. I believe that too, because I, I saw it firsthand and even when Uh and I remember praying with your mother when she was close to the end. I mean her and it wasn't just then. She just respected God all the time. It came out of her as natural as breathing. It was, you know, God who created the order of things, male and female, created them. And that was, that was the foundation of Phyllis's fight on the issue of the Equal Rights Amendment, which we're going to get to also because I want people to understand. I think in your, in your estimation, why do you think the left and Hollywood, the Hollywood left, feel such a need to destroy the legacy of your mother? Well, obviously, she's still a threat to them. Obviously, they still
4: see her as having power. And she has power today because of people like you who were mentored by her. She she mentored many, many women who are in positions of influence today. So her legacy lives on through the work that she did and the people who
1: were um, inspired by her. That's for sure. Honestly, and I, I've told you, I think I've told you, but I will repeat how much I loved your mother, both personally and just her. Uh, I admired her so much. And you know what? I, save admir- I don't give out admiration very easily, to be honest with you. I'm kind of a skeptic. But your mother was, um, I loved her brilliance, and I aspired to that. She was a conservative woman who was brilliant. I would like to be that. I don't think I am brilliant, but I wanted to be a smart conservative woman, and that's what she was. Uh, she made me proud, and I saw her personal life, too, and her kindness. It was not fake. It was not faux. Uh, it was who she was. When we come back, uh, Ann, I want to play your mom in her own words. This is her actual voice. And then I want to play some clips from a debate she did with Betty, Betty Friedan, and we're going to listen and kind of respond to those because they go way, way back, and they're pretty interesting. My guest is Ann Schlafly. We'll be right back. Sandy Rios in the morning.
2: Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
0: I got my master's from Harvard in political science. And a wonderful guy came along, and Fred Schlafly, and we were married in 1949. And I've spent 25 years as a full-time homemaker, but full-time homemakers have got time for hobbies, and politics was my hobby. I wrote my little book, A Choice, Not an Echo, on an old standard uh, typewriter and sent it off to be printed as a paperback and sold three million copies out of my garage. Everybody who was anybody was for the Equal Rights Amendment. All the prominent politicians, all the way from Ted Kennedy to George Wallace, three presidents Nixon and Ford and Carter. I started the Phyllis Schlafly Report, and I wrote one issue called What's Wrong with Equal Rights for Women? And pretty soon I began to get telephone calls from friends around the country uh, saying, Phyllis, I took your newsletter to our legislature and they defeated
2: ERA. And then I
0: realized we had something. The Equal
2: Rights Amendment will take away the right of a wife to be supported by her husband in a home provided by her husband, and her right to have her husband support her minor children. That's a fundamental difference between those who are for ERA and those who are against it. You think my daughter should serve, I think women should have the choice not to serve.
1: In Springfield, Illinois this evening, the House of Representatives voted on the Equal Rights Amendment and fell five votes short of the necessary two-thirds majority required for passage. Well, we won. Now that's just a portion of Phyllis in her own words. Phyllis Schlafly. By the way, you can hear all of that on Eagle Forum's website. It's Eagle Forum. Um, Ann, can you tell me the exact link for that Eagle Forum? Eagleforum.org. Okay, Eagleforum.org. dot uh, So, uh, and it's just excellent. And it would—it was really Ann. By the way, my guess is um, Ann Schlafly, Corey, uh, Phyllis's daughter, one of her daughters. She's got six kids. Uh, she had six children, and so um, you got a chance to hear her actual voice compared to, uh, contrasted by Kate Blanchett's portrayal in this Hulu special that's coming out this week, a nine-part series purportedly telling you the truth about uh, Phyllis Schlafly and the Equal Rights Amendment. It's called Mrs. America, and uh, we uh, we have a lot of feelings about that, and by the time this airs, many of you will have seen at least a part of it. Uh, so this is going to be an ongoing conversation with us, I'm sure, about what well, how they portray Phyllis in the coming weeks and months. And you grew up, that's the only home you've known. Where were you in the line of children of the six? Where were you? Well, I'm the youngest.
4: So I i, I got to see this battle on the Equal Rights Amendment from a front row seat. The battle took place during the 1970s. And I, um, my age range at that time was 8 to 18. So I was uh, there. Um, the My mother's office, was in our home. She never left and had an office elsewhere. Everything she did was from our home telephone number. And and, and the phone was constantly ringing because that's how people communicated back then. And so it was a hubbub of activity. And from my perspective as a small child, it was extremely exciting.
1: So, Ann, did you know then, you knew when you were really young that your mother was uh famous involved not like uh, the next door neighbors mom would you say
4: well that's right uh, it's it's you know we were it wasn't unusual for the media to come out and interview us because of the of my mother's prominence and i usually had the job of um videotaping my mother's performances <laughs> on in the media when they were on tv so uh Compiling her library of uh, of shows that she was on.
1: Were you there? The this was in this is my home state, Illinois. Uh, Springfield was the last for that battle and that era of the ERA. Springfield was the knockdown, dragout fight. Springfield, the capital of Illinois. I think I was actually in Berlin, Germany during this time. In so I was uh, I wasn't there, but I know about it. And as I recall, uh, the feminists descended on the capital. I remember seeing Phyllis and shots that I saw standing above them. I remember that they threw blood all over the Capitol steps. Uh, it was a horrific, really, outpouring of the worst side, if there is a best side, of feminism of that era. Were you there, and what did you see if you were?
4: Yes, it was very ugly. Um, the Capitol was a two, uh, two and a half hour drive from our home, and I went with my mother many times to Springfield when she would rally. For um, uh, for her side, and and also give testimony on the on uh, the equal rights amendment. In fact, I I actually provided uh, a testimony in opposition when I was age seventeen. Um, but the um, antics of the other side were quite vicious uh, in their tone, in their behavior. You're correct that they that they threw blood on the steps of the uh, Illinois state Capitol. They chained themselves, they had a hunger strike uh, it was uh it was a very raucous time but ultimately they failed and they failed because they were trying to fundamentally change human nature. Men and women are biologically different, and i I don't see anything wrong with recognizing and and Um, having in our legal system a recognition of the biological differences between men
1: and women. Just to put this in perspective, as I recall, I I may have the numbers a little wrong here, Ann, because this is from memory, but I think there needed to be 36 states, and I think uh, there were 35. Uh, Mrs. Ford, the first ladies... 38. 38. Okay. The the first ladies, all the existing first ladies were supporting it. All the media was supporting it. Uh, There was a... It was just the thing to do was to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment, and it was your mother, really, the leadership of your mother, and then, of course, that her lieutenants, because she had a uh, just a cavalcade of stars, women who were courageous in their own states who fought alongside her and who would have thought that they could actually turn this back. And now, uh, just to talk about the Equal Rights Amendment further, just for a second, but I do want to talk about your home life, too. Um, the Equal Rights Amendment now, they're claiming— can still be ratified. So the left is pretending like there was no cutoff date, but there was, I think it was 76 initially, something like that.
4: Uh, 79, uh, and then it was extended okay. to 82, but still okay. it failed and it's failed. And there's litigation right now, and it'll probably have to be decided by the Supreme Court. But it's important to recognize that the Department of Justice has issued an opinion saying ERA is not legally tending before the state because of the expiration date, and therefore cannot be put into the Constitution today. So the archivist who who minds the Constitution has refused to certify these late ratifications. And ultimately, it's a cheat on our constitutional system if there isn't a full uh, uh, debate on on any kind of constitutional amendment to use votes made almost fifty years ago to try to put uh, this amendment in the constitution today is a is a cheat on our system
1: well and of course uh, the the uh, Democrats on the left are that's kind of the <clears throat> modus operandi for them now everyone can see that they love cheating they they don't they 'll do whatever they can to win and so uh, but that's part of the reason why they're pulling out this alleged portrayal of your mother, <laughs> this false portrayal, and the false portrayal of the Equal Rights Amendment. They want to stir up the public and uh, make an impression because they're desperate to have uh, Equal Rights Amendment in its fullest form. Um, we're going to get into and more of the... And I think they de-
4: also want to slur, uh, slur her. I think they want to, I, to, to, make, to connote her as, as something bad and evil, and that anyone who is aligned with her must be bad and evil. And that's what I really object to, is the idea that these. my mother unleashed women who had never been active in politics before. They, they decided to get out of their homes and lobby their state legislatures because they realized that they, in order to protect what they valued, they had to get involved in politics and that was a huge new
1: movement that she created and we still see it today. Let me just uh, give people an idea, you know, uh, and because the last few years of her life Phyllis should have been featured so many times. I thought Phyllis should be up there and they did not they pretty much tried to ignore her and marginalize her in other ways. Uh, and so there is a whole kind of a generation uh, a lot of people who really don't understand who she was and I want to take just a second to talk about her Qualifications. Her she made her national fame by writing a book called A Choice, Not an Echo, in 1964, and uh, it was about the the value of life. And we can talk about that. But she was named the one of the hundred most important women of the 20th century by the Ladies' Home Journal. Uh, she was, uh, as she said, she went to Harvard in 1949. She was one of the only women uh, to attend Harvard. The irony to me, Anne, always is that your mother was the quintessential feminist in the, in the way they want to talk about it. She was liberated. She was brilliant, smart. But um, here's the difference, Sandy. She wasn't a victim, and feminism <laughs> promotes victimhood. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And uh, she was absolutely not. She, uh, author of 27 books, uh, she was an attorney. She also, what people wouldn't know, the reason that the Republican platform is as solidly conservative as it is, is Phyllis Lafley, Phyllis Lafley, Phyllis Lafley. Year after year, fighting for that platform, which uh, said that marriage should be between one man and one woman, that life is sacred and all the other things, small government. She was, uh, I learned from your mother all about the importance of patents. I worked, That was one of the last project I, projects I worked with her, Anne was on the importance of uh, uh, the American patent system. Uh, what else would you do? You think people should know about her professionally that I didn't mention? Well, I think I think one of
4: the the themes that I've been able to glean from this show is they try to paint her as a woman privileged, but I think it's important to understand that she did not grow up in privilege. She she grew she was a product of the Great Depression. Uh, she she did not come from from money. Uh, her her first job was manual labor, and she worked her way through college. She had to pay um, for college uh, through uh, and work at that point was full time job was a 48 hour shift, 48 hours a week uh, that she did manual labor, and so I think she fully understood what it was to make your life and make a happy life. And that is what she presented to women. If she could do it, she felt other women could do it.
1: She didn't. She work at a. She worked in a factory, pre World World War II factory, right, making bolts or something. As a she, um, she tested um, uh, she tested ammunition at a small
4: arms factory during World War II. Yeah,
1: yeah. She. uh, When we just barely scraped the surface, Phyllis uh, was a, a force. But um, And you grew up in that home, six of you, and you've already talked about the fact that you knew right away that your mother was not a, an ordinary mother. But let's do talk about your father, since you said that this series called Mrs. America, which is on Hulu, started this week, which uh, defames Phyllis and your father uh, and the and her work and uh, glorifies the Equal Rights Amendment. Let's talk about the truth about your dad. Uh, tell us about Fred Schlafly. My
4: father was an honorable, upright man who really enjoyed his, his marriage and his family and was fully supportive. I mean, he was frequently called Mr. Phyllis, and he liked it. I mean, he thought it was fun. <laughs> and, so he, and he had a great sense of humor. And so he said one many times, he said, I regret that I have but one wife to give to my country.
1: <laughs> Your mother had a great sense of humor, too. I wonder if yes. that comes, I doubt that came across in the movie either, but she was funny too, that dry wit.
4: Yes, and she, uh, she more than anything, she loved making fun of her opponents. In a, uh, she, would, she would tease them, and uh, they had no sense of humor.
1: No, that's right. Were you ever, okay, personal question, were you ever embarrassed by your mother? Ever embarrassed by being her child?
4: Well, I think, I think all children are embarrassed by their parents. I mean, as you grow up through uh, middle school, you think your parents are just—you—you uh, uh, you don't understand your parents, and uh, that is the nature of being uh, of, of growing up. Uh, but I think what she gave to me as a child was armor, because when I was in middle school and bullied and teased by—and going through all the problems of middle school. I realized that I was going through nothing compared to what my mother was taking, the attacks against her every day on a national level. And, and that kind of grit that she showed really was so helpful to me as a child. It toughened me up.
1: You know, I don't, uh, not that I, I was not her best friend and I didn't spend a lot of personal time with her, just some probably more when she, as she got older, Uh, conversations on the phone we had Uh, But did you ever see any discouragement in her, any depression or anything like, uh, I mean, I know it's probably a public, I just wondered, if I never saw that. I just saw her always fighting. (laughs) I got discouraged, but I never saw her get discouraged. Well, I think one of her important
4: characteristics was her optimism. And, you know, I once asked her, well, weren't you depressed after Goldwater lost in 1964? And she said no. I mean, I knew what was going to happen, but the fight was worth it. And I think it's, it's framing the battle and that even if you lose the battle, you can still win the war. And she always op- was optimistic that she would, in the end, win. Because in the end, she felt that God would win, and it was in God's hands.
1: You know, and that's exactly what I saw. But I wasn't, again, around her. I wasn't her daughter, so uh, I would have thought if there were any signs of sadness or bearing the burden of it, you would have seen that. But I didn't see it either. I just saw that. Her optimism just amazed me. She reminded me a lot of Ronald Reagan, who, you know, he always had a sense of humor and optimism. Uh, Those are Mm -hmm. wonderful qualities when you are taking the brunt. Well, inspires people. If nobody wants to be around pessimists. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Maybe that's why no one comes to my house. I'm just kidding. And thank you. Listen, stay stay tuned, because when we come back, I want to play some old tapes of a a debate between your mother and Betty Friedan when your mother was still in law school. I think they're fascinating, so we're going to listen for a little bit. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk.
2: Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
1: In 1976, uh, Phyllis Schlafly, the founder of Eagle Forum, uh, the object of this movie called Mrs. America, the series that Hulu is making, debated Betty Friedan, who was a, uh, you know, a champion, if you want to use that word, for the feminist movement. She had written The Feminine Mystique. And they were debating in a studio. I believe it was NPR or public uh, broadcasting. And I want you to hear how Phyllis sounded. Phyllis was in law school uh, when she was doing this debate. So she, uh, she was young. Uh, she was already had, their, had her children, but, uh, and Betty Friedan was probably a lot older, I'm guessing. Uh, but I want you to hear how prescient, uh, meaning how she could see and understand the, the effects, potential effects of the Equal Rights Amendment as they debate. Let's listen. Well, demolished. under the
2: present federal law, the admissions to single-sex colleges are uh, exempted from the, the fundamental federal law against sex discrimination. So we have some schools that have remained all women, like Smith or Wellesley or Bryn Mawr. Now, that would become illegal under the Equal Rights Amendment because they discriminate by definition on the basis of sex. And you can have no exceptions in ERA. Now, I don't know why anybody wants to take away from women your right to choose a single-sex school if that is your choice. But I think this is the uh, psychology of compulsion and the intolerance of those who are pushing for a gender-free society which doesn't recognize any difference uh, or any separation of treatment between men and women anytime, anywhere. What about the schools that exclude women? Well, I think you have your right. You have your choice. Ninety-five percent of our people prefer co-ed schools, but why stamp out the right of the minority that wants to choose a single-sex school? Betty, you have any comment?
3: Well, I think that the basic thrust is that the uh, quotas um, and the outright barring of of women to law school to... uh, Name one law school uh, that bars women. uh, Until recently... Name one law school that bars women. Until recently. Harvard Law School barred women until fa- you know, fairly recently. Name one that
2: today bars and
3: women. And now... You know
2: it's illegal and a federal law. Now it's illegal, but
3: I wanted to say that the thrust of the... Um, as I've said, we have a new law uh, barring sex discrimination in education, and it, it should, if it is enforced right, it should bar not only the quotas uh, uh, and outright... Uh, denial of, of access to higher education uh, on the part of women or to uh, tracking that keeps women in high schools out of the best uh uh, education but it, it also uh, should bar those indirect quotas which make women n- n- have to have higher um, grades than mm. m- men to get into the same school and so on but we already know that well name one. Even that law isn't being enforced in other words in uh, the name that one law school could where women be, have
2: to get higher grades to get into school oh this is this is name in, one this is true in name in universities one. I could name uh, I could name, well, just 30, name 40, one. 30. don't name thirty just name one what One school where women have to get higher grades to get into school.
3: uh, I would suggest to the viewers to tell Mrs. Shoffley uh, uh, the situation of the
2: I can name any
3: number of them, so I'm not going to name Well, okay, uh, the
2: upshot of what you said is that Smith and Wellesley would be forbidden to maintain themselves as all women's schools and would be required to go co-ed without any quota. Now, why do you want to stamp out their right? In every area, this is, a, this is a denial of freedom of choice. All right, I'm going to but interrupt for a second. But this, is is no Phyllis
1: the, this is Phyllis Schlafly and Betty Friedan. In 1976, uh, uh, it's just uh, Ann uh Schlafly Corey is my guest. And again, she is the uh, chairman of Eagle Forum. And uh, it was just fun. That debate section was fun. When she says, name one. I don't need 30, just name one. Just name one. That was brilliant, wasn't it? Well, part of her success,
4: was that she was such an effective debater. I mean, there are many people who felt that she shone better when she was, had an opponent than when she was in a friendly audience because she, she had the ability to zero in, at, and her debating skills were honed by her debating with my father. They loved <laughs> to, to debate back and forth at the dining room table. That was part of the excitement.
1: That well, that sounds like fun to me. But I'm a, I was a weird kid too. Uh, so, um, and there's another thing that I point I want to make. I want to play another clip from this debate. Uh, the 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 vision. I remember talking to your mother about the Equal Rights Amendment when we started. When I was president of CWA, and I was trying to learn myself how to how to make the case and how to understand it. Uh, I remember her. First of all, she suggested that women would be drafted for combat. They would be drafted, and, of course, the pushback from the left was, oh, how ridiculous, how... but, of course, she was right about that. It was unthinkable at that time, but she was right about that. Uh, the Equal Rights Amendment basically st- made their, uh, forced there to be no differences in law between men and women, and that's what it will do if it is ratified now, but there were things that we never— And that
4: never... is where Phyllis Schlafly and Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg agreed that the Equal Rights Amendment means equal representation of men and women on combat front lines.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and she was right. Now we can see that. We've gotten to the point where women are now placed in combat. We're, we don't have a draft. No one's drafted now. But you know that she was right, that women will be drafted if everyone is called. The other issue that came up in this debate, which no one could foresee, but your mother did, was same-sex bathrooms. Let's listen to clip two and get a, get a touch of this. Phyllis Schlafly and Betty Friedan, 1976. We move on to co-ed bathrooms. <sighs> Can we talk about that? Already we go to the same bathrooms on airplanes and buses. Uh, does this mean that with the Equal Rights Amendment, Phyllis, if it is passed that there will no longer be men and women on the doors but us or we or whatever?
2: Well, it's a, it's a matter of whatever the Supreme Court decides, if you have any faith in what they'll
1: decide, and
2: you may not ma- it may not matter to you, you whether You think the Supreme co-ed...
1: Court will decide for us all to go to the same
2: bathroom? Well, I think so, but I recognize other people think uh, uh, contrary, but you just said it's all right with you to have co-ed bathrooms on Didn't say
1: that it was all right. I said already we go to the same
2: bathroom, all right at the same time.
3: I love that. Uh,
2: okay, but the thing is, do you want it in grade schools?
1: Will we have it in grade? In grade
3: school? school, it exists probably. In a lot of places, anyway. Look, let's have some sense about this silly bathroom argument. I mean, the the bathroom argument is, is 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 absolutely symbolizes all of the nonsense that's being spread to create false fears about the Equal Rights Amendment. There is nothing in the Equal Rights Amendment that will affect the privacy of the way people go to the toilet. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. <laughs> well, but now, that now, wait a the minute. Point. The, the point only is the only could... way it will be affected is if the Having only a one bathroom in a, in a small company, like say in this, uh, if you had only one bathroom mm-hmm. in, in, in this television station. And if that was you, used to deny a woman a job, I saying we have only one bathroom. And that sometimes has been used as an yeah, excuse to deny yeah, a woman a job. True. In that instance, either they'd have, they'd have to put in a second bathroom or they would have to let the women and the men use the bathroom, but not necessarily at the same time, you understand. Now, well, that I mean, has nothing we to do, we do get, with it. The point is, can we you get go by to, by a we get uh, to historical... About the whole thing, let's realize, you know, certain uh, facts That in the American family w- Where we all grew up in I grew up in Pure, Illinois And I don't know where you grew up in But unless we were quite rich There was one bathroom in the house And that bathroom was used By mama and by daddy And by Aunt Jane, if she visited, and by Junior and Janie and Grandma and Grandpa, but they didn't use it at the same time, and great sinful immorality did not ensue. And in Italy, where I was recently visiting, and I went to see the Pope, and in a restaurant near the Vatican, I I, I, I had to go to the bathroom, I went in the bathroom. And and there was a priest washing his hands in the you know, the outer pot and I thought, Oh my heavens, I've gotten into the wrong you know, in the men's room. And in 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 Italy, right there the Vatican, the 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 good respectable restaurant had uh, bathroom where the, the toilet cubicles were private, but the, the restroom of the hall was...
2: Okay, well, I would uh, just like to say this has demonstrated that you're perfectly comfortable with a situation where you have no discrimination between men and women in regard to restrooms. And it's one thing where you're talking about <laughs> planes or homes, but it is something else again when you're talking about grade schools.
1: All right, so... Uh, and I just thought, no, we thought she was crazy, and even Betty laughed at her, and so did the moderator. Oh, almost like that's silly. But then Betty, as uh, Phyllis pointed out, actually tipped her hand that she, she really was pushing for no differences in the use of bathrooms. Just your comments about how that's all played out and how your mother was able to see that. Well,
4: the Equal Rights Amendment does not mention women. It mentions sex, and it says you have no discrimination on the basis of sex. And there's a lot of mischief that can happen in that that is, in the end, harmful to women. Now, in the 1970s, nobody thought that about transsexuals, that men would be dressing up as, as uh, women and then trying to p- pass themselves off as women. And what we have now are situations where boys use the restrooms of girls in schools uh to the detriment of of girls and i think what what my mother recognized that betty Friedman didn't want to recognize is that the people who would have been harmed if era were ever put in the constitution are the most vulnerable the the young girls the women who who um the working class women who didn't have the educational opportunities those were the ones who were going to be harmed under this amendment because they were the ones in situations where their privacy would be abused.
1: And, you know, uh, Eagle Forum is still alive, very much alive and well under your leadership. And it's an ongoing battle, the Equal Rights Amendment. I've talked about it some too, not as often because there's been so much other news. But what's the, the other frontier? Let's say the left is able to, you know, resurrect this thing, uh, which they shouldn't be able to do constitutionally, but if there's a way they'll do it, if they get the right people in office... Uh, What is the new frontier that the Equal Rights Amendment will erase? What is is the next thing that they want? They've got the bathrooms. uh, They will have the dress. There's only one reason
4: ERA is being reintroduced today, and they're trying to put it in the Constitution, and that's abortion. They are worried that the Supreme Court, the current makeup of the Supreme Court, might chip away at at Roe v. Wade, the 1973 ruling. And ERA, and my mother said this in the 1970s, and it's still tr- true today, ERA
1: is a constitutional right to abortion. So that's the reason. That's the heart. That's like their, uh, that is like their uh, sacrament, abortion. It's just amazing how that means more to the, certainly the left, the men and the women of the left, than just about anything. It is sacrosanct. Uh, they they want it at all costs at any time in any way or any and they they would fight to the death to keep uh, uh, any kind of restrictions on abortion and I think you're right that this is what this is about uh, and let's talk about your mother she died in 2016 and I would just be curious to know how you would describe her final days and your interactions with her well unfortunately my
4: mother um, got lung cancer and she died of cancer. Uh, at her home, and the cancer had really ravaged her body uh, in the in her final year. Um, but but you know, as she kept a she kept up her spirits and she kept up the fight. Uh, and um, and she, um, I think, at the end, at age ninety two, as she said to me, she had had a great life. <laughs>
1: I remember one of the last conversations I had with her in person. Um, she always amazed me, and because she would fly into D.C., she usually have your you know your brother with her, uh, just to just to be next to her. Because she wasn't as steady as she used to be, but she never. I mean, she was still looked beautiful, dressed immaculately, st- always the lady. Um, and uh, I said to her, I had the audacity, I had the audacity to say to her, you know, Phyllis, don't you ever just get tired? I mean, really, I get tired. I'm just, I'm so tired of the fight. I I'm I'm thinking, you know, I'm just I'm just thinking about maybe I, maybe I just should get out and just step back. And she said to me, she said to me, "Good luck with that." <laughs> I'll never forget that because she. And here I'm thinking, look at me saying this to her. She never stepped out of the fight. She stayed on the front lines. She fought well, and fought Sandy, and fought she She didn't she know how
4: to do anything else. She <laughs> loved the fight. I mean, she, it was not she was not the, she was such a hard worker it she was not capable of sitting down and relaxing she her she was always thinking always working and she called it industrious
1: <laughs> well she was what was the best thing about being her daughter
4: i think the what i learned from her was her grit and i am so pleased that i met I had the opportunity to grow up with a woman who, t- who taught me to be
1: fearless. <laughs> she did that, and I think I picked up a little bit of that too. Uh, and I'm so, so honored. And Ann, it's great to have uh, to know you and to see you carrying on your mother's work. Ann Schlafly Corey, chairman of Eagle Forum. It's eagleforum.org. All of you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, too, can be parts of Eagle Forum. Eagleforum.org. And remember that this uh, special on Hulu is uh, airing. It begins. It's had begun this past week, and it will continue, nine episodes. It's called Mrs. America. You should tune in and let your voice be heard about what you know about Phyllis Slafly. And thanks for joining me, Sandy Rios, in the morning on AFR Talk.